0: Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, ready to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make
1: it big. And some make us cry. This week, we'll be reviewing All
0: There Is with Anderson Cooper. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. All right, so Michael, we've got a, a niche podcast here. You think it's niche it's Anderson Cooper? Well, yeah, it's it's about grief and loss and death. I'd call that pretty niche.
1: All right, I'll call it. I'll call it niche. It's kind of interesting cuz I don't think we've done one where it's it's so new, right? This one just released. <laughs> well, in the last month and, you know,
0: shock me, but but 2 days ago, you reached out to me and you had spotted this thing and all of a sudden, boom, it goes right to the top of the That's list right. for our review. So what was so compelling? Why? Well, why? the reason for that, obviously, is because
1: we uh, we had another one that we didn't want to do. So we, we, we <laughs> snuck this one. We snuck this one and I was watching CNN. I said, hey, Anderson's got a new podcast. Let's check it out.
0: Okay. So full disclosure, we were struggling with the podcast we thought we were going to review this That's week. Right. And Michael spotted this one. I said, let's try it. Let's do it. It is a good one because it is – to me, it is pretty niche. It's a very specific topic area, although it may have broad appeal. But we also found this one particularly interesting. You know, Anderson Cooper is a well-known guy. But, I mean, this is kind of like his thing, right? He is
1: uh, – Right. He's sort of, I don't want to call him an expert in grief, but he's obviously had enough of a background in this that it kind of does – give him the right, I think, to do a podcast like that. And so this is something that he can tackle that I think many other journalists Yeah, let's could talk not. a little more about that. So you okay. say he has the right to talk about that. What do you mean by that? You know, we talk a lot in society today about whether or not you have the right to do something, whether you have the right to be a particular character in a movie or wear a particular style um, because you don't want to be perceived as sort of well, I think the, the term that is largely used is cultural appropriation. So taking it oh, away right. from okay. somebody else. Yeah. The fact that that Anderson Cooper has had multiple situations in his life where where grief has you know played a significant role, I think this gives yeah. him a level of perspective and a level of empathy with with people as well. You know, well, I it's what, personal for it him. Very like,
0: personal, it, absolutely. And the podcast is very personal. Mm-hmm.
2: Why should me be exempt from the pain of living and losing? And, yeah, this is part of it. This is what what happens. I was 10 when my dad died of a heart attack, and I was 21 when my brother died by suicide. His name was Carter, and on a hot summer day in July of 1988, he killed himself in front of my mom leaping over the balcony of her penthouse apartment while she was begging him not to. He was 23 years old.
0: I mean, this is his real expression of grief. I mean, he cries in, I think, each of the first three episodes He's almost bawling at Yes, nines. he absolutely is.
1: And yeah. obviously, Anderson Cooper does not need to do a podcast. The, the man obviously is enormously um, well off. He, uh, successful. You know, successful. Yeah. I don't think his CNN show is in any jeopardy of, of being taken off the air.
0: He's the star yeah. of the of the network. Right. So- and just in case any of our listeners aren't like really familiar with Anderson Cooper, yes, he has been on CNN with the Anderson Cooper 360 segment since – I don't know, like oh, yeah. two thousand three or exactly. something. More than, yeah, more than like, a like dozen almost years. twenty years. Yeah. yeah. So he's been around a long time. He also does stuff on NBC and ABC. I think he does the sixty minutes. minutes. He does sixty right. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a pretty famous guy. Uh, he's done a presidential debate. Oh, has he? Um, yes. He. Okay. Yes. Hosted. Did the moderation for a presidential debate, and he was one of the first like lead anchor news anchors to come out as gay. In 2012. True. Yeah. So, so he's a he's a pretty oh, yeah. famous he's a, guy. He's a big. Yeah. He's a big star. Don't yeah. get me wrong. So he'll have no trouble, I am sure, attracting listeners. Lots of people enjoy him. I like him. He's very. Yeah. I, I like Anderson Cooper. I,
1: I think yeah. he's very personable. So if I go back to the to the you know, does he have the right to do it? Yeah. So I think Anderson Cooper. I think he's not doing this because he's you know just like all the journalists out there think oh I've got to do a podcast right I'll, I'll just talk about current events or these kind of things yeah he's decided I'm going to do something that I think makes a difference it may or makes a difference to me I have a unique story to tell I'm able to tell it I'm able to relate to the people um, and that's the angle at which he's gone I think so far he's doing a great job the first one I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, I I think there was some elements that unfortunately he couldn't take to the subsequent ones yeah. because
0: it was particularly personal. Let's just review that real quick cuz as you commented this is a brand new series. Right, there's only brand three new or four episodes I think. Four episodes. So he launched it uh September 14th this year with Facing What's Left Behind. So the the kind of the backstory here so if you're not familiar, Anderson lost his father when he was 10 years old. And this was sudden, but not that sudden, right? He had been ill. He had heart surgery, had like multiple heart attacks during surgery or something. And I think they went in, tried to do a second right. round, and, and he died. But he knew he was going to die. Right.
1: But it was a short, you know, I think it was a 10-day period between sort of the, <clears throat>
0: the initial heart attack But and they did comment death. that, you know, he wrote the book. He wrote a book two years before his death called Families and Anderson commented that he knew he was going to die. He knew he was dying. Yeah, he already he, had a heart ailment I think at that point and knew he wasn't going to live a long life. Yeah. And he wrote the book like a letter to his I think two that's sons. fair. that did come yeah. up quite a bit. And yeah, I'll tell you listening to that part and he would, you know, his father's voice play well we'll, we'll play a clip of that of his father reading from his book and the tape that Anderson got a hold right. of 40 years later, hadn't heard his father's voice in so long, he didn't even recognize it.
2: <laughs> Here's my dad reading from his book, Families. I see myself and my two sons and their youth, their promise, their possibilities. My stake in immortality is invested.
0: I mean, I got choked up at that point. That was a, uh, that was a tough passage to, to listen to. So he suffers through this death of a parent when he's you know ten. Right and then tragedy again when he's twenty-one, his his only sibling, his older brother, who's twenty-three, commits suicide. I, I can't even fathom, you know, I have no experience personally that can relate to such a thing and what that would do to you, you know, and the frailty of how you might feel about life at that point, having seen your father die and then you know your brother who he apparently had no idea, nobody knew the brother was in this kind of depression or suicidal.
1: Yeah, but it was clearly life. unexpected, I think, that that this was Certainly her. to Anderson from Certainly the way he to tells Anderson.
0: it. But I, so, so he has the right, I will yeah, agree with you. Yeah, I think you. he has the right he, and,
1: and I think it's difficult. what grief is. Right, and I think it's hard as a journalist if you don't have that right to put a microphone in somebody's face and say, oh, "Share with me your grief," right? Yeah. Without having the ability to respond with a, an equal level of empathy. So I think that's what makes yeah. it real. And I, I can see myself coming back to this one. I know a lot of podcasts we listen to, and we, oh, it's, it was great. But what are those podcasts that you, when you, when you need them in times of need, there's an opportunity for you to come back to
0: this. I almost sensed that this was him wanting help, right? That this isn't just him trying to go out there and say, oh, I'm going to share this to help other people. My sense was- This is a healing process. Right. So the second episode is with Stephen Colbert. And I really got the feeling that he brought Stephen in because they'd had some comments. He he knew Stephen had also gone through a tragedy with uh, his own father and two brothers died when he was 10. Uh, in an airplane crash. Right. So he knew that Stephen had a similar kind of right to talk about this. Yeah. And that Stephen had made some comments in an earlier conversation they had had around the time of his mother's death that had touched him. And so he he just wanted to kind of talk, right, with, with Stephen and, and kind of compare notes. And how do you get through this? And, you know, how does this help me? And how do you feel about you know these things? And what did you keep? So this is, uh, again, kind of the theme here, in the, yes. the, particularly in the very first one, right? So, even though his mother died at 92 back in, in 2019, Anderson, who's the only remaining family member, had never gone through her stuff, right? He just left her apartment there yep. for two, almost three years yep. now. Um, but he's finally, I guess, been forced... Right. Uh, because gotta, they'd sold the apartment. they right, sold the apartments and so he's got to clear the stuff out. And so he's going through them and finding all of this stuff, and it just stirs it all up again for him. Which was another thing I want to say that I thought was really great about the way he did this and the way the very first one opens. And we'll do a clip from this too: of him at the apartment, opening the door, going in to you know, start going through her stuff. And he, you know, he kind of brings you along. <music>
2: this is what always happens I end up coming over here I spend like hours going through stuff thinking I can throw stuff out and I end up (laughs) not throwing anything out I mean a mug of Princeton University from 1987 that my brother had what do I do with that
0: Right. and this is very personal, and he's yeah, he's touching really, things and picking them up, and you can kind of hear him. Yeah, the key. I, I thought it was gasping, great. and you know, the the, um, the, the yeah. podcast starts
1: obviously with the with the rustling of the keys, and he's saying, "Oh, I'm going to go into my mother's apartment, and I yeah. haven't been here for maybe two years. It's just, yeah, you know, and you hear him unlock the door,
2: the sound of the deadbolt opening, and then. That sound of pushing the door open—those are sounds I've always known.
1: And then he starts to explain this, uh, this you know, upper west side Manhattan apartment. And yeah. you can just visualize what it looked like. You can imagine what Gloria right. Vanderbilt so, right. lived she in. Right. She was a Vanderbilt. Yeah. And, you know, you it takes yeah. you in. And he walks into her study. You can kind of envision what this is and sits down at the chair and all these papers and boxes and things that this woman had kept over
0: an incredible 90-year right. life. Oh, and him finding the notes. She had left him notes knowing that at some point he was going to go through this stuff. And so she left him little little notes, right. you know, wrapped up in stuff in drawers and whatever. She'd find a little note that said, like this oh. belonged to such and such and right, whom, yeah. So, again, the point of, as we review this is he does a great job of kind of capturing the real emotion of these moments for right. him and the impact they have. And they're, they're not resolved, Right. This isn't him explaining how he gets through this. This is him just being raw and emotional and crying and having trouble verbalizing how he feels about these things. And the
1: podcast allowed you to, you know, it allowed him to record it in the moment. I mean, I think that was the most interesting part, which certainly intrigued me, which is why I thought the first episode was the most powerful, because you obviously don't get it. With the second yeah. and the third and the fourth guest, because their trauma had happened decades before, right, so and right. you, you can't you can't relive it. It'll be interesting to see whether he can recreate the the excitement or which isn't the right word, but the the passion or the power. I think of that moment in subsequent ones, and I hope I hope
0: that he tries because I yeah. I think
1: there's something.
0: Well, he's an that. emotional guy. Sure. And obviously he can relate to this stuff. He's very empathetic to the other folks who are uh, – so like Molly Shannon comes on who also had, you know, a, a terrible trauma when she was little in a car crash, right. killed her mother and a cousin. And and her father was, her father was, 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 was drunk was, driving, right. right, yeah. So anyway, it, a story worthy of this topic. And it again, Anderson is very empathetic. He gets it, right? And and he seems curious. There's a, a true kind of desire to understand what did she experience? How did she experience? How did it affect her later and her lifestyle? And you know, when he finds these kind of common things like them not putting stuff up on their office walls, like they're just always expecting something bad is going to happen, right? They're prepared for that. They've been traumatized by these things. And so. Yeah, I did enjoy a lot of the different stories. For example,
1: in Stephen Colbert's case, when everybody knew exactly how old their father was, he was 50 oh, yeah. some odd years, 273 days, right? And yep. as soon as everybody hit the 274th day, they all knew when that was. They were like, you know, I made it longer than my father made it. And it was something that all of the siblings did. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm not destined to.
0: Yeah, you know to to be to be taken out early. Stephen Colbert surprised me at how kind of philosophical he was. And I know it may sound greedy to want more days with a person who lived so long, but the fact that my mother was ninety-two does not diminish; it only magnifies the
2: enormity of the room whose door has now quietly shut.
0: You think of him as a you know, comedian, and he's clearly a very intelligent guy. But I loved the visualization. He was talking about, again, you were talking about this kind of having the right to do it. And he talked about the, the problem you get with people who want to express you know sympathy, but they can't imagine it. And he had this visualization of, um, he described it as a that they can see what you're going through, but he described it as like a windstorm. They can see the effect it's having on you, but they can't see the wind, right? So they, they can't comprehend really what you're experiencing. I thought that was a great kind of visualization of that relationship between somebody who and it wants to express concern or, yeah. or sympathy, empathy, but they they can't really imagine what you're going through. I know you did some
1: research into other grief Podcast that was interesting. I, I didn't do yeah. that. I'm glad that you did that because obviously there's a there's an audience for this genre, if you will. Is there a tag for this? What what is what are these under? If you look them up in um, Apple,
0: I didn't actually look them up. There, I found a website that had a list. I guess
1: of, it's I guess it's under health and and well being, perhaps probably. It, nevertheless, I can still see people searching this out. I mean, I'm kind of glad that they're is this kind of resource. I think it comes through in a podcast much better. You know, I don't think I would want to necessarily want to watch a YouTube video on this, right? I think this is one area where I feel the podcast is really the medium for this particular kind of genre.
0: Actually, this one is tagged society and culture. Society and culture. Yeah. So, but I did a search for podcasts on grief and loss and found a site that, I had kind of a review, right. if you will, a list of multiple of them. So if you call it a niche, there's there are a number of them that directly address this topic that, that focus on this. And so that's what was in my notes there that you were seeing. And yeah, I did think it was interesting that there are you know, multiple podcasts out there that attempted to to address this. And I think it's good. So again, personal experiences, I haven't gone through a, a death experience like this, a sudden death of a, of a family member close to me. But I worked in the funeral business. Yeah. So growing up, I got exposure, if you will, to a lot of families going through this. And uh, yeah, you, you, know, you see these families and you don't know what to say, right? To Colbert's thing, even and you're in the funeral business and you deal with families who are grieving every day, still when somebody's going through the loss of a child or, you know, the sudden, you know, tragic death of somebody in an accident and you don't know what to say. It's really, really
1: hard. Well, I think I think Anderson Cooper can really bring something to the table on this. You know, he's obviously not a psychologist. He's not in the profession. Yeah. Um, there's obviously a lot of these. I can see that that are people who are experts on grief. Um, yeah. So from he a, mentions- from a medical from a medical perspective, and then there's yeah. a mix of people who have gone through grief because a a child or a, a husband had yeah, died. Yeah. Um, And those people speak on those particular topics. Right. But I I think Anderson can can bring a really valuable perspective here.
0: And I'd lay down money that he's going to have Marie Curie on because he – or he's trying to get her on the show because he mentioned her a couple of times. So she is a – they describe her as a bereavement expert. Yeah. And she has a podcast called On the Marie Curie Couch where she discusses uh, grief and loss – and so, uh, so yeah, I think you know, she'll probably be on his podcast. We all deal with these things differently. And I think you've already seen just in the four episodes, the different people he's talked to had different experiences in the way it impacted their life and what they did going forward. Again, I thought Stephen Colbert, the, the theme of that one was around being grateful. If you are grateful for your life, then you have to be grateful for all of it. Which, uh, again, and even Anderson seemed so confused confused by this concept, and I thought Stephen did a a good job of trying to explain that it isn't that you're grateful for what happened, you're grateful for the life you have, and that is part of that life, right? And so, so I thought that was a very interesting perspective to say, you know, my life wouldn't be what it is If this bad thing hadn't happened to me. So even though I don't feel good, right, it's still painful to think about what happened, but it is part of my life. And I'm grateful for the life that I have. A
1: lot of young men who lose their fathers young do go on to accomplish great things. And it, you know, when you lose your father at a young age and you feel, well, it's just me now, right? I I have to go out and accomplish something. I'm not saying it. You know, if there are many circumstances where you know, Michael Bloomberg, for example, lost his father when he was quite young. And there are many in th- well, this situation. And now, then there's
0: Anderson's wrong. brother who committed sure. suicide. Yeah, I don't know. You can find examples of almost anything. I, I have
1: no <laughs> doubt that that is true.
0: If well, I rock- ask some of these uh, these experts, uh, what is the impact of losing a parent young? Now, my mother lost her mother when she was young. So, and that was one of the things, right, Molly talked about, right, yeah. losing the parent who's the same gender. So my mother's mother died when my mother was 12, tragically in a fire, a horrible scenario. And I know that this did impact my mother um, severely and and her life from there on was never really the same. Her her father uh, never really recovered completely from the trauma of that and having to raise two teenage girls. These things can really alter your path in life and
1: I mean they say men don't grow up until their fathers die right is that why I've never grown up that's that's correct so okay uh, your your life right. uh, you know well, has wait, yet. your has father's yet, still alive father still alive too all so, right uh, we're still growing up yeah I want to talk a bit about the name of this podcast because it's titled all there is and there's no question mark it doesn't completely make sense right all there is what is he trying to say it obviously reminds me of the idiom is this all there is
2: I googled the song as we were bringing my mom home from the hospital and then came across a clip of Peggy Lee singing another song on YouTube called is that all there is is
0: that all there is is that all there is
1: like this is the question, you know? Is this it? I just live and then I die. Yeah. I, I assume we that's should
0: wh- we should call Anderson and ask him. You think maybe he'll, he'll respond to maybe us? Maybe he will.
1: I'm interested in maybe right. why he's. Chosen. I would
0: like to know. Yes, why that? Because my first impression was, and the first episode, right, is called "Facing What's Left Behind," and so to me, it was partly about all there is is like that's all that's left right all there is is what's in this apartment oh, now right and he's got to go through her stuff the effect that they have on me the memories they they bring back that would be my guess all there is is the the memories
1: well I'm I'm
0: looking <laughs> forward to to seeing what Anderson does with this one now and I made the mistake you were talking about the first one being the best right I made the mistake of listening to the third one first. Now, and it was good. And as soon as I listened to it, I thought, oh, I see why Michael's trying to push this one to the top. You listened of the to heat. The Sadness Isn't an Enemy with, yes. with Dr. Miller. Dr. B.J. Yeah. Miller, yeah. Okay, I. Yeah, so it was good. But then I went back and I listened to the first one right. and went, oh, I wish I'd listened to this one first because it really set the stage. For the next ones. Yeah. He had a much better understanding of what he was doing and why he was there and what was going on in his head at that point. So for our audience, too, if you're going to listen to this when it is brand new, if you haven't listened to it yet, start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, Go back to episode one there, which is called Facing What's Left Behind uh, from September 14th.
1: I think what I like about this is I think he can do this. He doesn't have to do this forever. Like, Like, I think he could do two dozen of these. Yeah, and they could be really valuable. They could stand on their own merit for a very long time. As yeah. sort of something that Anderson Cooper has produced, it's there forever. You can go back to it. You can listen to it. You can make it, you know it yeah. can make you feel good
0: if that's what you need. But I agree. Um, I'm worried that he's going to try and force this. You know, every week he's got to find somebody and he's got to try and find somebody who's famous, who's had a death. You know, it's good to
1: bring on uh, Stephen Colbert or a Molly Shannon. It allows you to get guests later on who maybe are not as famous, but they can look back and go, oh, well, you know, Stephen Colbert has been on this. I mean, I appreciate that it's Anderson Cooper. So that really shouldn't be a problem. But my hope is that he does bring in different people that are not famous who have really interesting stories to tell. I think there's a lot to take away for podcasters. This whole idea about, do you have the right to do this podcast? And, you know, we've seen this in with Maya Shankar, where, where truly, if you've gone through Something that gives you not
0: just the privilege, but yeah. also the ability to empathize with people. Yeah. To and just to, to clarify, right? So Maya Shankar's was a slight change of plans. Right. That was one of the first ones that we reviewed on this podcast. And, and right. And, yes. and she had gone through a situation where she had to pivot in her life, life
1: change, into something. Right. So life yep. change, and that was what her podcast was based on. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Anderson Cooper. How many – do I want to do this week after week after week talking to these people? What kind people, of toll is it going to take you know, on him too? It seems like too yeah. much. We're stirring so it up. So my advice really would be you don't have to do this. This is not a a five-year podcast, right? Yeah. But I think it can be a great 12-episode yeah, podcast yeah, right? and and lay right. it down there and say, there it is and and then see what the next opportunity right. holds. Maybe it ends
0: when he's actually – closes the last yeah, box resolves the last item in the in the house right yeah. when he's put it all away and it's you know really resolved for him i agree i don't think this should be an ongoing ongoing thing there's others out there doing right. that and maybe he needs to do that but i i worry that right now he's doing it because he is benefiting from it yep. and benefiting emotionally not financially He's yeah. willing to share with people and maybe it does help somebody else to see how he's dealing with this and realize that they should be talking to somebody too. That if you're holding this in, bottling it up, yeah. not dealing with it, uh, you're just making it worse. So so hopefully it does help some people. Uh, I like that you know concept.
1: Well, I think it shows the power of of what short-term podcasts are all about. I mean, I'll bring up another one. We did Ian Koss's where he talked about marriage. Yeah. And again, marriage and and, uh, and divorce.
0: It is a good example. So that one's called uh, Forever is a Long Time, right. right? Ian Koss. And again, I liked it in a similar way that it wasn't like he was coming in saying, I'm an expert. He was coming in saying, I have questions. Right, right. And I'm going to kind of take you along as I try to sort this out and understand what this means to me. And in his case, it was you know everyone in his family who'd been married had been divorced. Right. And now he was married and he's trying to figure out, is our yeah. marriage going to survive? Um, I like that. And I think that that's kind of the way Anderson has started this thing also. is I don't have the answers, but I'm going to share with you how I'm trying to understand and uh, reconcile, deal with this, this grief I'm feeling. Yeah, I'm I, yeah. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with this.
1: And uh, yeah. I think, I don't want to say it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, interesting to I, see where I, he goes with it. I, I wish him luck on it.
0: And again, for other podcasters out there, if you want an example of a really, really well produced, of course, this is CNN, you know, publication. So he's got, uh, he lists his team. There's about 20 people involved. Yeah. And, and again, I Thank you, Anderson, for reading the list of people who are involved. We love it when you give credit to people. So, yeah, this is a big team. It's really, really well put together. You know, not just the kind of interview segments that are probably done in a studio, but there's a lot of kind of natural sound of him in the apartment and you know, emotional pauses. I mean, there's I, I love that. There's times when you know, there's just no words, and it just. You you hear silence for a yeah. minute, and and it feels right. It doesn't feel like lag. So they're they're very very well done, you know, podcast uh, episodes. So I we encourage you guys to listen to this uh, for that too, right? Understand the you know really good use of music and background and right sounds and uh, environment noises. Uh, where appropriate, it uh, it really, really adds in this case instead of detracts from the the, the story.
1: Yeah, good for him. I, I think he's found a, a really unique thing that he has the, the sort of authority to discuss.
0: I really enjoyed it. Yes. All right. Well, that was our review of All There Is with Anderson Cooper. This is No Harm in Asking with Michael Kerr and Eric Byron. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe rate us, write a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much. This podcast is sponsored by collab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.